our podcast, Queer Religion, where we talk about where people's sexual identity overlaps with their spiritual identity. We like to think of it as just a conversation with friends, maybe if you were talking over a boba tea or coffee. Maybe with some rainbow flags, unicorns, or other exciting things. Yes, and our friend with us today is Brennan. Brennan, welcome. We're glad you're here today. I'm here for the unicorns. I was oh, promised yes. unicorns. <laughs> Definitely. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, maybe how you identify and anything exciting about yourself. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, sure. I'm Scorpio. I like long walks on the beach. Um, no. So Brennan, uh, 52. Oh, this is dating now, Brennan. <laughs> oh, my bad. Oh, I'm here to fall asleep at No. Um, I am 52-year-old, cisgender, white, male, gay. Um, I've been moving closer to identifying as queer more mm -hmm. recently. Um, I think it's more inclusive. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. All right, so we're going to get started today with maybe just about where you grew up and, and what that was like, um, either spiritually or just in general, what the background of, of how you grew up was. Sure. Um, so I, I guess I'll start with a little story. I. We grew up Catholic, nine brothers and sisters. I'm the youngest, I'm the baby. Aww. And um, once I uh, met a new coworker, and mm -hmm. we're getting to know each other, and we're telling a little bit about our backgrounds, and I mentioned this, and she's like, well, I had six siblings, and we grew up Irish Catholic, and I said, well, I can out-Catholic anyone. <laughs> and every night after dinner, we would go kneel on the hardwood floor in the dining room mm -hmm. and face the file cabinet and the statue of Mary and pray the rosary as a family. Uh -huh. So, big C Catholic. Yeah, yeah, that's capital, capital C Catholic right there. So that's a little context. We always went to mass. I was an altar boy. Um, it was never, you know, uh, we never ate meat on Fridays the year round. Oh wow! And then it, during Lent, um, we didn't we didn't eat meat during Lent. Um, which my mom, God love her, like those recipes. <laughs> really get all cyclical. I mean, she did. She did great with ten kids to feed on a, on a budget. But anyway, um, so yeah, that's 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 the context. I had six older brothers, three of whom went to a seminary to study to become priests. Uh -huh. None of whom became priests. But that's absolutely something I thought about as a child. So everybody is pretty invested in, especially Catholic religion. Then. Growing up, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then, so you guys would have the, the not, <laughs> so you guys were definitely not just Easter Christmas, you guys were no. very, very fastidious. No, definitely, yeah, um, very, and, and, and really, really invested in the rules. The mm. rules were very important. My dad's an engineer, my mom was a nurse, and they, um, my dad more so had a rigidity around, you know, here's the list. Uh -huh. Here's what we believed. Here's what's acceptable. And it was definitely not Christmas and Easter because in those days we went twice. <laughs> so um, we'd go to midnight mass and then whoever could rally would go the next day just to make just to make sure it stopped. Just to make sure. You know. <laughs> so yeah, um, it was, uh, yeah, it, uh, we were, we went to Catholic school. Uh-huh. Um, when my family moved to Indiana, the reason that we moved to that town was because they had a free 
grade school, Catholic grade school, no oh, tuition. Wow. Oh, wow. And they couldn't afford to pay the tuition for all 10 well, of us to go right, to school. I was going to say, that's like nine or 10 kids worth of tuition. So. Absolutely. It was $30 a year for book fees, and that was it. Now, that's no longer the case, but that's how we ended up in that town in Indiana. That was before I was born. But um, very small town, 80% Catholic. Mm -hmm. I met my first non-Catholic when I was in fifth grade playing Little League. Oh, wow. So um, your whole community was Catholic. 100%. Right? Yeah. 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 A um, couple of the people we delivered the paper to weren't Catholic, we thought, because we never saw them in church. Uh -huh. Was that <laughs> like Santa Claus? <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a blood test or anything that my parents did, but um, it was, yeah, it was very, very culturally Catholic, community Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic grade school. We knew kids who went to the pagan school, the public school. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, no one on a first name basis until Little League in fifth grade. I met my first Jew in high school. That was very exciting. <laughs> and second, my two French teachers in high school were, were Jewish. That was very exciting. Yeah. It's definitely a, a very immersive culture then. It was, yeah. Yeah. And so with, with that being the community culture as well as the home culture, how did sex and sexuality fit in to that? So I remember one time my brother was wailing on me or teasing me or something and joking around a little bit and I yelled into the kitchen I said, Mom, why did you have any more kids after you had him? <laughs> and my dad from a room away said, we didn't have kids, God gave you to us. <laughs> so it was very repressed. So repressed. We lived in the country. Like there were there was a sheep lot around us, right? Like we had animals. We raised chickens and rabbits and somehow it was just, there wasn't a thing. Um, so it was very, very repressed. Yeah. You know, like, because the cycle of life right, is literally happening all around us. All around us. A bunch of kids, there's all these, like, Agricultural farm community. animals. Yeah, like, yep. but. Nope. Right? Nope. <laughs> nope. None of that. It's, um, like, it's like the magic stork, almost. It's like, it yeah, came to us. Basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So. When, when do you remember maybe your first conversation about sexuality? Is that when you were still in grade school, high school, if that's the community, I'm, I'm guessing you probably didn't have a lot of sex ed in, in high school, or, call, or sorry, elementary. No. Yeah. Um, we had <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, for Mrs. Muller, she tried. In fifth grade, we had a teacher who was just, she'd been there since the earth cooled. <laughs> and she was very dedicated to teaching us about the world outside. Mm. Now, my county was... 15, my, my hometown was 15 miles from the Illinois state line. And she asked us once in sixth grade, fifth grade, I had it for fifth grade. She asked us once, show of hands, how many people had ever left the state? Mm. And out of a class of like 24, 25 kids, maybe six of us raised their hands. So it was insular in a way that you just don't have now. Mm -hmm. Because with media and everything, it's just... There was no internet. There was no, I mean, we got one TV station right. from Lafayette. And it's usually fuzzy, okay. right? And it's, you know, depending on the weather. Right. If it was yeah. foggy, you would get two. If the cloud cover was just right, just the right. balance, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, until my sister broke the TV and, no. and we couldn't afford to replace it, so she was right. popular. Um, <laughs> but no, so, so. To answer your question, there was none of that. There was very, very little of that, right? And so Mrs. Muller had a very awkward, you know, 40-minute conversation of here's what the parts are and what they're called. Mm -hmm. 
and that was it. So, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was very, very protected, very small. deeply repressed. But of course, you know, um, like they said in Jurassic Park, life finds a way, right? <laughs> um, and so there was, you know, there were conversations that happening around me, mm-hmm. but I was, I, I was, I was all in on the on the Catholic stuff. Um, how did you view the concept of salvation or hell, or did that was that something that played into those things, or you were just focused specifically in spiritual things, or? No, absolutely. Um, and so, for in Catholic dogma, if you miss mass, mm-hmm. that's a mortal sin. Okay. On a Sunday or a holy day, and at the time there were seven holy days, and now there's six. So I don't know if I missed one of those <laughs> in the eighties when it was still a thing, and now I don't know. Um, but, but, you know, for that, I bought all into that dogma. Mm-hmm. And later as an adult, interacting with my dad's siblings, mm-hmm. who had a very different kind of Catholicism than my father, a much more generous mm-hmm. and kinder, mm-hmm. um, that would have been great had I had that any time during my adolescence, but that wasn't around. And so my parents did the best they could. Um, but it was very... Dogmatic. I keep coming back to that word. So here's the list of rules, mm-hmm. and no exceptions. Yeah. And so if you are in a state of mortal sin mm-hmm. in Catholic theology, which means that there's such a severe rupture with God that you can't redeem that yourself. You need to go to a priest and have confession. Okay. And so. Once you have that rupture, you can't receive communion because that's another mortal sin. Mm. And so, if you know that, and then you don't go to, I'm sorry, go to communion. If you know that and then don't go to communion, which is part of the Catholic ritual, part of the Catholic Mass, people look like, why aren't you going to communion? Because you've been mortally separated. They know that you're in trouble. They could make that (laughs) assumption. Now, what got you out of that is that you had to fast for an hour before communion. Mm. And so if you forgot and like ate something on your way out the door to Mass, you'd be like, oh, I broke fast. I can't, I can't take communion today. But there's only so many weeks in a row. Because then they're like, you know, you're really not being responsible with your eating habits. Like, I have hypoglycemia. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because even with 10 kids, like they're going to notice. Right. Even if you like ditch and go, or, 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 you know, go with dad to the 7 o'clock Mass after the morning paper out one week and then go with mom for the 9 o'clock mass the next, they're going to piece it together. So, um, But yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying. Especially when you realize um, later, mm-hmm. when I realized I was gay, and I should have known way sooner than I knew. I mean, I saw Star Wars six times. <laughs> um, but when I pieced all that together, that was traumatic. What age were you when you figured that out? When I should have? No. No, <laughs> when you really did. Um, I was in college. I was an undergrad. I was 21. Okay. 20, somewhere in there. Um, well, looking back, what could you have... Because I think we have, like, protective pieces in our psyche, right? When we're not able to deal with all of those pieces at once. Mm. Like, our, our brains, for I feel like anyway, kind of shut off those spaces until we get to somewhere that we feel like we can handle it. And it just is like this subconscious... Like, you could have pieced it together sooner, but maybe not in that environment, right? Maybe not with the tools that you had. Or, for sure. You know. 
Well, and there was no vocabulary. Right, there right. was no voc So that's why I think it's so different than people a generation behind me. Mm -hmm. That there's a vocabulary. There's a model. There was no model. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, Soap was on TV then, if you guys probably don't remember Soap. Um, but they had a queer character. But we didn't get the channel that had Soap. Right. So, when I say there was... Ann Landers, yeah. literally, was the only space in my world that talked about queer people. What was the conversation in that? She was about? very... She was great. She was very like, these are who, this is how people are, and you need to accept them and love them. Mm -hmm. But she didn't write about it every week. So, you know, maybe once a couple months. What media format was it? Newspaper. Newspaper. Yeah. This was the 70s, so that was basically the media. That was the media. That was the media. And I mean, that, but that's true, and that's, that is, I get it, you were talking about that earlier. The major difference between now and then is that you had two media inputs besides books. Like, it was the newspaper, that was a regular media output, and the one channel on your TV. Like... And then it's just your community or the people you run into. And how do you find any vocabulary in that setting? How mm -hmm. do you find any words or even connection with someone who's like you when you're in a space where homosexuality is definitely a mortal sin? Mm -hmm. Did you did you know those texts and had you Yeah, oh absolutely. Well, masturbation was a mortal sin. Okay. Like there was there were a lot of things. That was a, mortal <laughs> sin. a lot of sinning. There was a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of people are like, Oh sorry, I'm just gonna yeah. eat my food now, sorry. Oh my gosh, right? Well, and you knew the priest. Right. The priest would come over for lunch every Sunday and then after church. Right? And it's like you can't really go to confession and feel like, oh, this is just a private conversation, like, you know, between God and my priest. It's like, no, this is a guy who knows my parents. He's he's he also, you know, he's very humanized, right? He's like, and it's like, I can't he would come, confess no, this. No. So, and there was only one priest in the in town. Okay. And before I had my driver's license, I couldn't drive to Earl Park, couldn't drive to the neighboring town, right? Mm -hmm. Or drive. And so once a year they had a mission, where a priest was from Ireland or someplace exotic, mm. Chicago, someplace <laughs> Chicago exotic, and big city priest. You knew you were never going to see him again, and so you saved up all your sins for him. Right. <laughs> I'm so used to saying him or her. I almost said that just now, but obviously that was not the case. Um, so you'd save him up for him because it was safer. Yeah. Right? And then you're like, whew. Got those all out. I wonder what here. that priest thought, too. Like, wow, well, this town. <laughs> most of them were half deaf, and, you know, it's like, so, it was fine. You know, a couple, English was not the first language, and so it was great. It's like, you know. Um, I suspect a lot of towns had that. Right. So probably everywhere they went, they just, man, these people are so <laughs> Right. Gosh. Because the, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So it sounds like that burden to make sure you fulfilled what you should was very heavy. And when it's you terrifying. couldn't, it was very... And, you know, okay, if I die in a car accident, I'm going to hell forever. Mm -hmm. You know, because I've committed a mortal sin. And then I had communion on top of committing a mortal sin. And then I lied about it. Mm -hmm. And then I went to confession and I didn't confess everything. Right. So, whew, yeah. And whew. then hell was like forever and ever? Yep. Or? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Like burning fire type. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Oh, man. There's no, like, is it purgatory? You have purgatory, but that only counts if it's, if it's a mortal sin, you don't get purgatory. Oh, okay. Sorry. Do not pass go. No. Do not collect. I was like, wait, I thought somebody hammers. could, like, pray you out. Like, no. Like, give you a get-out-of-jail card. No. no. Just purgatory was only if, if you were in a state of mortal sin when you died, you went to hell. Mm 
There's no purgatory. Yeah. If you had, if you just had a clean confession and you've done your penance and you get hit by a truck, you go right to heaven. Oh. Okay. If you have any venial sins, so there's that's the that's the layers. What right? would be so, an example of a venial sin? Um, I lied to my mom. Okay. Um, I uh, stole something from my brother. I swore. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, that's a venial sin. Compared um, to a major one, which was missing a holiday. Missing a holy day, yep. A holy day. A holy day of obligation, yep. Or mass on Sunday. Okay. Um, masturbation. Mm-hmm. Um, murder. Uh, it's fascinating that those are in the same category. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. No, right? Right? Um, and, you know, so the big ones. Yeah. Um, embezzling a bazillion dollars. Venial. Interesting. Wow. Okay, well, you know. So, and this, now, again, this is the dogmatic Catholic rule book, right? Right, well, and that's, it's a definitely, a, I mean, I grew up very, not all the way on the conservative side, but much more, more conservative than I thought, but that's all I knew, so I just thought it was normal, right? Right, yeah, right, yeah. So, you had said then that you figured out you were gay in freshman, sophomore college? Correct. What brought you to that point? So this is a little embarrassing. Um, <laughs> this is a safe space. Two things. Well, you're going to tell the whole world you're Two things. Story, but, um... So someone, as a joke, got my roommate a subscription to Playgirl. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Sophomore year in college. And he never found out because I always got the mail and I just <laughs> So that was a tell. And then... That's great. There was a... But, but still, that's a very different audience and, like, everything, right? Like, oh, just, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, I went to undergrad in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which is a city of about a million and a half people, and there were, there was a community there. Well, Milwaukee still has a pretty substantial community, correct? They do, yeah. yeah, absolutely, and so that was really lucky for me that I ended up there instead of a place like a Notre Dame and a South Bend or, you know, in the mm-hmm. 80s, which would have been really challenging in a different way. Now, of course, you know, um, people came out there and, and have worked to make it a more hospitable place, but at the time... I got lucky that Milwaukee was where I ended up. Mm-hmm. Not Chicago, which would have been so big, and I would have gone, frankly, nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and so, well, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. No so the, the magazine, and then there was a guy on my floor who just in a pair of Wranglers, you know, <laughs> and I was walking up st- upstairs one time behind him, and I was like, man, he's got a perfect ass. And I thought, wait, okay, this is a data point. I should think about this a little bit. So, that was like, that was the point at which I could no longer deny it to myself. Right. And of all the guys on my floor, he would probably be the least comfortable with that. <laughs> well, can't, you know, determine who gets the good asses. It's not like <laughs> You know, right? <laughs> so then as that's happening, right, you're coming into your self-realization of like, oh, I think, you know, I'm into to males, you know, and this is, and I'm in this new space in college, I'm away from home, like, how was it that your, your faith or spirituality kind of layered on top of that? So it did for a long time, and I tried to reconcile the two for a long time. Um, at our, at my Catholic university, Jesuit Catholic University, um, there was a queer group on campus. It was a support group, because mm-hmm. it couldn't be... It had to be, like, support. It, it, they had to label it as a support group. 
It could because otherwise it would be advocacy and that would be bad. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So this is to help the poor sinners. Um, the people that the two people that ran it, there was a, a gay priest and a laywoman who were amazing people. And so being in that group helped a lot. Right. And, you know, the gay priest was like, look, you don't have to lose your faith over this. Oh, that's awesome to have a person in that moment for you to be able to communicate that to you. Because I know that's a space where a lot of people struggle. They come down, they're like, hey, I, have to, I feel like I have to choose. And that can be really crushing, especially for someone as involved in their faith, you know, um, as you were. For sure. No, it was such a gift. Wow. And I went to confession once to one of the Jesuits there who I did not know. The great thing about Milwaukee or Marquette was the university, Jesuit university, tons of priests, all kinds of ones coming and going, go to a stranger. It was great, right? Um, I'm not going to have you for theology next semester, am I? <laughs> not my chemistry prof? Okay, great. Um, and I went to one and confessed, you know, in pure thoughts and actions. And um, he's like, have you hurt yourself or others? And I said, no. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit which was a very different model than the confession that I grew up with, mm -hmm. which here's my grocery list, and, you know. And um, he's like, yeah, those aren't really sins. He says, if you're beating yourself up over that, he said, you need to let that go. Wow. And it was, a, it was such a wow moment. That was a huge gift for me. Um, because I was really struggling coming to terms with this. Um, looking back, that was my sophomore year in college. As I'm being, as I'm being, um, uh, the memories are coming back, and I'm piecing together the timeline. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was depressed. I was clinically depressed. I was, um, you know, I missed a lot of class. Mm -hmm. I wasn't keeping it together too well in terms of academics. Mm. That was the year after spring break. Me, uh, we picked up my roommate in Chicago on the way back to college, and. I grabbed the mail and I'm passing it out, you know, give him his, and this was after the magazine <laughs> subscription ended. Um, and uh, he said, oh, I got my grades, Brent, did you get yours? And I was like, shut up. Because my mom is in the elevator with us, no. helping us haul stuff up. And I was like, no. She's like, nope. She's like, yeah, you did, it's right there. Ugh. And I opened them up, and it was the lowest set of grades I'd ever had. And she looked at them, and to her credit, she said, you know, you got, you got some work to do the rest of the semester. I was like, yes, ma'am. I do. I brought them off. Um, yeah, it was really, that was, it was traumatic. Because I could tell, I could see where the train was going. And just trying to, it was, uh, trying to reconcile all that was hard. How did you, how did you, I guess, find the, that point where you were able to move past that? What, what did you do to process that? What did you, resources did you use? Did you have any? The, the, Two directors of group were tremendous resources. Group, we call it group, right? Um, we held these code words right. <laughs> in the 80s. That's what you did. Yeah, what kind of music do you like? Depeche Mode? Do you like Erasure? <laughs> that was a big one. Someone liked Erasure. If some cute boy liked Erasure, <laughs> chances, were <laughs> chances were good. Chances were good. Yeah, Skid Row, less so. Um, uh, kids, ask your parents. Um, <laughs> So it was, they had a lot of resources on how to reconcile, um, how to integrate you your sexuality with your faith. I, like, um, there was a book um, on being gay by Brian McNaught, Interesting. who was a Marquette alumnus, okay. and who wrote this book, and um, that was one of the resources. 
Sidebar, so I worked in the alumni office. It turns out the current director of the Wisconsin AIDS Project worked in the alumni office with me, Dan Mueller. Huh. And Dan, I didn't know this at the time, his brother was gay. And Dan was absolutely an ally for me, and um, the, the members of group were. And then when I came out, that was then my junior year, right? So sophomore year, all this is going on, I'm dealing with this, and I'm putting words on it for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I started to p tell people my, my junior year. Um, and I quit going home for holidays because I didn't want to... Well, when did you come out to your family then? Who, no. Did you, okay. No, not right away. Um, but I started to the following fall mm -hmm. of my junior year in college, which would have been 19... Huh. <laughs> 89? Uh-huh. Yeah, 1989. So you had, it sounds like you had a lot of people resources at the time that really just kind of placed you in a space that gave you some, I don't know, fresh air or different perspectives on how to to move forward into a new space. You know, I did, um, I also had a theology class. You had to take three courses in theology and three in philosophy at Marquette at the time. And I had a theology professor who was a laicized priest. That means he was a priest who had left the order, um, left the priesthood, which is technically not something you can do, but it's kind of like getting divorced. You can, you know, if you get an annulment, there's ways around this. Okay. He was a laicized priest, and Marquette had to keep him because he had tenure, and I think they did it through gritted teeth. <laughs> um, but his name was McGuire, Dan McGuire, and he taught a theology class that I took with a friend of mine who's also gay. Um, and we talked about it. In a religious context, the great thing about my Jesuit education is it was very rigorous in terms of critical thinking, mm -hmm. and there were no sacred cows. By that I mean there were no topics that were off the table. We could talk about we talked about anything controversial because you're a grown up and you need to understand. You need to wrestle with these ideas. And the Jesuits, um, many of them that I had, not all, but my experience was that if you reached a different conclusion than me and you can defend it intellectually, that has merit. And so, for me, it was coming to the terms of like, okay, given your theology, mm -hmm. we're all made in the image and likeness of God. We're all part of the body of Christ. Right. That's how Catholics talk about it. Um, so that there's, there's one body of Christ, and we're all members of it, mm -hmm. whether you're Catholic or not. You know? Um, so, and I didn't choose this. I was made this way. So given your own parameters, this is not inherently disordered, mm. which is what the magisterium was calling it at that time. Cardinal Ratzinger, who then became Pope Benedict, was calling it that. Mm. That was another way to find out in a theology class if somebody was on your team. If they were familiar with Cardinal Ratzinger, chances <laughs> were they were get. Um, but, but, you know, using that theological framework mm -hmm. was tremendously helpful and empowering and liberating. And I stayed Catholic through that period. I continue to identify as Catholic through that. And probably up until towards the end of my senior year at Marquette. Then what's the moment then that took you in a different direction? You had all these supports and this ability to kind of be both. What what took you I'm assuming you're somewhere else now since you say you were Correct. Catholic. Yep. So where does it take you? So it's been it's been a long it's been a long process, and, and I, I, I approach things 
I'm very much a Cartesian. Um, I, I, I approach things intellectually. I approach things using the scientific method as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I try to figure out what the truth is in that. And I know that sounds just pretentious. It sounds pretentious as fuck to say that. I know that. <laughs> and I apologize, but it's just, it's just the way I, 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 I approach things and, and the way I, in which I move in the world. Um, well, and that's you, right? Like, that's how you do things, and there's absolutely huge benefit to that. A few more people might be able to benefit from that. Yeah. <laughs> Intellectualism yeah. is not a dirty word. <laughs> it's okay. Because <laughs> those of us who live in a country where no one has taken a stats class, evidently, or knows what a mask does. Um, sorry. Um, so that was, I, I, I intentionally sought out opportunities to help me intellectually understand my queerness. So I took a, for my philosophy requirement, I took a, um, existentialism class. Okay. And I wrote my paper, my final paper, on my coming out process. Oh, wow. And when I came out, like, when I decided that it was appropriate, not appropriate, when it was, it was not just okay, but when it was, when that, this is how I, this is who I am, and this is how I'm going to be. And I have a spiritual argument in which this is absolutely okay, that I can defend what I'm doing and be fine with myself. That's a really good point. That's a, that's a, that's a key point. <laughs> Once I had that argument, and I decided that I was going to come out. Um, I came out. Cue <laughs> <laughs> like, the unicorns and rainbows! Um, and it was, the you know, it was the 80s. Um, and, you know, early 90s. And so um, it looked different. But um, uh, I wasn't having sex. I started dating. Um, but... How did you find it? You had to like signal enough to find people, or you kind of just coded that? Because oh. I mean, now there's apps everywhere, but in that day there wasn't even mostly internet. So. No, there was no internet. No, there was no internet. There was no internet at all, right? And so the internet was eye contact, <laughs> and you're walking down the street and you see somebody and you do the double take. And so you're essentially the meme, right? Like you're totally, oh, no, totally. 100%. 100%. And you're like, okay. And then there wasn't that much cultural diversity at Marquette at the time. So it wasn't an issue like, you know, some cultures, eye contact means different things. Right, right. You didn't have to worry oh, about right. that. Most people, my, one of my friends said that the typical boy's name at Marquette was Kevin O'Jesus. Because everybody was Irish Catholic. Like, it was not, <laughs> it was not super diverse. But... One thing that came to that is that you knew what eye contact meant, right. right? And then from group, I met people who were going to the bars. And God love them. You know, the bars in Milwaukee in 1990, you know, um, they were smoke filled and just <laughs> so. Your good old CD. So insufferably seedy and, yeah. and just like tragic. <laughs> But that's that was our. I'm sorry, I lost the. Yeah, lost no, the that was question. just how did you oh, meet people? It was right, a complete. Right. I mean, I sidetracked you way off the original question, but you know, I feel like inquiring minds need to know. You know, back before technology, how the world worked. But. No, yeah, it was, it was it was the it was the eye contact, right? And um, I think I would fail at that. I'd be like, oh hi, no, yeah, wait, I have something on my shoulder. Like, <laughs> Why are they staring at me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but you know, even. Even before I was having sex, like that's just how you met people, yeah. and you just wanted some sense of community, mm -hmm. you know, um, and some sense of that connection, right? Um, so 
So that's that's how it started. And then um, I was living with st three straight guys. I came mm -hmm. out to them first, conversations one by one. Um, my roommate from California had the hardest time with it. My roommate who grew up on a dairy farm in northern Wisconsin was like, I love you, brother. If this means you're feeling better about yourself and you're in a good spot, Fantastic. go team. Yeah, yeah. so awesome. Right? Um, so I got lucky there. Um, and still one of my best friends. Um, I went to his son's wedding. Mm -hmm. He married a nice Filipino boy. Aww. Last, or two years ago. Um, so it was... Um, uh, that was the first conversations, right, with my roommates. And I said, if you guys aren't okay with this, I'll move out. Mm. And they're like, no, don't have to move out. But that's the era, right? right? Um, and I Because talked... somehow your sexuality is going to be forced on them, like, somehow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was sadly still the era for certain people when I went to college. Is that right? Yeah, which was... A little bit after me. Yeah, you can say not it. too it's okay. much after that. It's okay. A little bit after that, more like '99 to '03. But okay. Okay. you know, like so, it's not that much longer. But it was still, you know, that thing where it felt like you you're rolling the dice. You know, somebody might be like, okay, and then somebody else, you know, just have a completely different reaction. Where it's just, yeah, it's a, so unfortunately, it hadn't changed that much in, in yeah. ten years. It's, well, I think it's time and place too. I'm sure there are places still. That yeah. happens, right? Um, but you know that was that was that time and place. And I think, Wendy, to your to your point earlier about having the theological and intellectual framework to defend it mm -hmm. that it needs defending, right? Um, allowed me to come out in the way I did. And so I came up to my roommates. I wrote a letter to the editor. Started telling my friends. Oh, sorry, a letter to the editor. You wrote uh, the school paper. The school paper. Oh. Really, Sorry. really went big. Yeah. I just came out to the whole campus. I was like, yep, this is how. Um, Wait a second. So you like wrote a letter to the paper and said, here's my coming out? No. Oh, oh so I was like, like wow. Right. Sorry, whoa. sorry. Like, man, that's really, he really. He was feeling very confident. So <laughs> I bought. It's a lot of us. <laughs> no, there was, um, there was a, like, we would now call it, I don't know, maybe hipster, but certainly a trendy little boutique bookstore that uh -huh. I was, I bought a couple Gay, st uh, gay buttons, and I wore them on my jean jacket, and I put one in my backpack, and um, I wrote a letter to the school newspaper about, because there was a big discussion okay. about whether sexual orientation should be included in the school's non-discrimination policy. Oh, okay. oh wow. Okay. That's a, so, earlier than, I mean, that's been going on. Oh, it didn't pass. Oh, I was gonna say, but, like, but it's been a conversation for a long time, right? I was going to say, that's a very recent one in other schools still, of religious faith-based communities. Like, that's still a hotly debated discussions. So it, it is. I didn't realize it already had gone through many times. Well, Wisconsin, it's interesting because Wisconsin was the first state in the country to have a statewide gay rights law. Is it really? Yeah. Huh. 1985, 83? Really? So, yeah. So, there was, um, who was it? Archimedes had said, if you give me a and a place to stand, I can move the world. There were places to stand. Good. There were a lot of people who went before me and did this all this great work. Right, and so I had these nodes of support, and I had been given through group, through some of the people I met, and through like my theology teacher, etc., the intellectual framework to again, that, I hate that word defend, but to defend mm -hmm. who I was, right? And so, with that, I felt empowered to be able to do that. And once I thought, This is my truth, and I need to say this. I was a lot braver then than I am now, as I think about it. Um, That's the beauty of youth. Right? right? You're just like, yeah, yeah I'm going. Right? Go hard. And get older, you're like, eh. 
I'd rather stay. I'm not going. <laughs> totally. That's 100% true. Um, how, so, long, how long did it take till you talked to your family? And was that something that was fairly acceptable or a lot of hard memories with that? So, yeah, it's... Um, the big family. Yeah. So it came in stages. Um, some I remember, some I don't. Um, so you did everybody individually. Then. Oh, totally. <laughs> We're not having any holidays I mean, today. <laughs> I mean, given what I just said, I completely understand the question. But I was also, you know, perpetually broke. Right. And I had very little financial support from my parents at that time, um, which was just what they did for all of us. Well, that's, I mean, it's also 10 kids, right, so right. Right. how much support can there be to go around? Exactly, that? yeah. Um, when, when each of us were born, my grandpa sold a pig, mm. and that went into the savings account, and that was supposed to set us up. Mm. And a pig set up my older siblings a little bit better than it did for <laughs> Across Aww. 10 years. But, um, you know, so I was, I was very thoughtful in who I came out to in my family. I picked my battles. I, uh who I thought would be more supportive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, um, there's a bipolar distribution of politics in my family. So you've got the, the uh, my brother whose house I went to a couple years ago, who had a book on their coffee table, Why Liberals Hate America. So you got them. Okay. They were later. <laughs> I, I didn't start. I didn't start with them. Um, and then, you know, some of my siblings are, are more liberal, and I, I just thought would be more affirming. I have a brother who is atheist and out about that at that time, and so he was a safe place to start. That's a very large transition as well, like spiritually, both of you guys shifted, you shifted a fair amount, and he shifted like like out polar, right? Yeah. Pretty much opposite. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And since then, I, I mean, that's how I identify now as atheist. Okay. Um, so, I've, I've kind of gone the whole way with him, I okay. guess. Yeah, <laughs> through yeah. that same journey with him. Um, but it, it um, was slow, starting with my siblings. Um, and my cousin, who told my uncle and my dad's brother, mm. who sat me down and said, you know, I deliver communion to um, patients who have HIV AIDS. He said, do we need to have a talk? And I thought that was amazing. Mm that he didn't start off with, that, that that's how he started off. Right. I, and, you know, that generation, that was, I care for you. Right. And I this is going on. Sick and die. Like, I, I, I want you to be okay. So, and, and not are you going to hell, but no, can we talk right. about None of that. protecting you? Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, um, my aunt was a Dominican nun in Springfield, mm -hmm. Illinois. I never told her. She found out because the family, right? Um, and she was always very clear that we're all children of God. Mm -hmm. And so that was later, but but having that in your family, extended family, but still, like that was that was powerful as when well. When that's always the message, then you, you have this understanding that this is gonna be okay no matter what's been specifically discussed or not. That's right. Yeah. 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 Just so. those unspoken kind of things. It's spoken but it's it's in such a way that you're not implying that who you are will never be okay. Right. 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 Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. And did you ever come out to your parents? I did. So, um, 
<laughs> um, I came out to my mom first, and because she got a diagnosis of colon cancer mm. when I was in college, and she died my last semester at Marquette. Oh, wow. um, she got a diagnosis in February and died in November, wow. so it was fast. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, that's a big loss. Thank you. Know, you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she was she was very much a social justice Catholic herself. Mm. She was always looking out for people, and 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 she was very um, concerned, invested, supportive of the downtrodden. Mm. And I think she saw queer folk, and the opprobrium that queer people felt, as you know. Put, sort of put me in that category. She cried. It was terrible. She said, um, I asked you about this before. You said no. And I said, in fairness, you didn't ask me if I was gay. You asked me if I had a problem with any of my friends being gay. <laughs> so I wasn't ready to come out yet. Yeah. You asked me that. And I said, Mom, under my name in your address book, what's written? She's like, well, Jason. I said, yeah, who do you think Jason is, Mom? Like, um... But she's like, you can't tell your father. You can never tell your father. Mm -hmm. And so I did for like another 10 years. Mm, I waited wow. to tell my dad. Because my dad, again, you know, big C Catholic, like it was right. going to be. Very rule follower, you had mentioned, like. And we never got to a point where it was, it was, it was always bad oh. with my dad. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. She was hurt that I wasn't honest with her. Mm. When she felt she had asked me, and I remember that conversation precisely, and I'm like, "No, Ma, you never asked me." You just can't which, around it. Which right. tells you something, right? Right? Like, I think she, on, on some level she didn't want to know, or she didn't want to put me on the spot for that, right? right. She's kind of asking around totally. the question, but yeah. feeling like I asked. It's like, mm, well, and that's really well. hard too because you're you're both having a different conversation. You're still in the point where you're like, "How can I have this?" How can I get around this and not lie because of the right. moral dilemma? Right. And she's trying to figure out how to ask this without implanting something in your mind. Like, so it's this dance that never gets right. resolved well, completely, and, and you're thinking different things even. So. And at the time, I'm sure she was like, I don't want to offend him. Right. <laughs> right, because right? if, like, being gay is this negative thing, and then I'm implying, like, hey, are you gay? Like, right. Why would you say that about right. me? Right, exactly. No, yeah. wait, I got that. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> why would you say that? That's my line, apparently. Very, very much the same. Oh, man. So, how did you get then from Catholic to atheist? Because that's also quite a transition. So, it was, um, you know, as, as most Catholics do, they first go to. Uh, the Anglican Church, Episcopalian, right? <laughs> um, like my brother, like one of my brothers said, all of the ceremony has the guilt. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a good deal, right? And so, you know, for um, I tried that, and it's it felt very comfortable. Okay. Um, and but the, but the more I thought about it, it just it just didn't make sense to me intellectually. And again, that's how I approach things. And so, um, I understand that what it's impossible to know, mm -hmm. and what the conclusions that I've reached are for me. Mm -hmm. They're not for somebody else, right? Um, right? And so, on this. Well, I think that the beauty of this discussion is that we're, we're trying to find the ways that people do things, right? Like, this is where I got. It doesn't have to be where you get to, but of course. this is how I got here, and this is where I am, because right. that's, that's me. And you can take what you need, or... 
want or, you know. Right, right. And there's no one path. Exactly. Yeah, everyone's journey looks different. And in, and in Catholic theology, there's very much that a well-formed conscience is your guide. Mm -hmm. And so if you, like the Jesuits would, would teach, if you reach a conclusion that's different to ours, but you engaged it honestly and thoughtfully and prayerfully, and this is where you arrived, then it's, that is theologically acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, and so there were, there were flotsam and jetsam in my past that, that, that gave me, um, that empowered me in some ways to, to be who I was which was an incredible gift. Um, at the time I was dating um, my ex, still friends, um, Arnold, in California, and we went to Mass to an Episcopal service. And at the start of Mass, you know, and the celebrant comes in from the back, and sotto voce, he turns to me, like in a whisper, loud enough for the whole congregation to hear, and says, it's a girl! <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Only Catholics don't allow women to, not only Catholics, but you know, he was so surprised. He was a female celebrant. And the whole, like, there's giggles throughout the oh, I was like, oh, okay, well. First we, time, first time, sorry. If we join a congregation, we're not going to join this one. Um, but, um, so that was, you know, as a way to, as a way to, you know, find a place, uh, a theological and, and spiritual space that was accepting and, and, yet kept some of the traditions and things that I, I loved and would miss. Mm -hmm. um, and that didn't work. I investigated Judaism for a while. That didn't seem to make sense intellectually for me. Um, great tradition. And Catholics and Jews are share so much mm. that it's often the case that we just get each other in ways that Protestants sometimes don't. And... I'm, 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 I'm those are very broad paying with a very broad, right, very broad right but in my experience you know the Jews I've met um, and whatever tradition they came from Orthodox Reform um, Conservative there's just some shared culture there but anyway so I investigated that that wasn't a fit and then um, and then I realized that for me, after moving on from Judaism, thinking about other Christian traditions, that the creation myth doesn't make sense. That the role that the divine plays in the universe doesn't make sense. And even if it did, that, to be coarse, that there's someone who's so fragile they need to be worshipped all the time, and if they're not, they're going to punish you forever? Like, that's a really unhealthy relationship. <laughs> and I know that's infantilizing, and I know that's, that's not how many Christians would see it. Right. I get that. Mm -hmm. and, and it's coarse, like I said. But, but, just, but, but the creation, creation for me is a scientific process that's happened over billions of years. Mm -hmm. And it's remarkable that any of us can see or breathe or, you know, are not single-celled organisms, Right. Um, Wait, I don't have three eyes? <laughs> <laughs> like the fish on The Simpsons? Um, so, but, but I don't think there is a divine being behind that process. Mm -hmm. Growing up, we were taught that evolution is real. Mm -hmm. That God used evolution and the history of the universe as a way to get us here. That's mm -hmm. part of the creation. 
Catholics don't believe in a literal Bible. Seven days means a long time. Mm -hmm. It rained 40 days and nights means it rained a while. Right. Like, don't worry about that stuff. Um, and at some point in the process of evolution, God put a soul in us. And so that's what I grew up with, which makes more sense than um, proof there we were. Proof there we were, <laughs> and that the Earth is five thousand years old or whatever, right? No, that's not. That that's just simply not true. Um, and then I read a book by Richard Dawkins, okay. and it just was such a relief. I gotta say, like, I, I'm not familiar yes, with that. Sorry, 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 tell sorry, us sorry. Tell more about the author. Um, so Richard Dawkins is a evolutionary biologist, um, uh, atheist. He's a jerk. He's, when he's on when he's on shows okay. like he's combative, and he unnecessarily combative, and he wants to score points for team atheism, mm -hmm. and he's not respectful for the people he's debating with. And so I winced a little bit. This was my gateway drug. But, um, um, to be clear, I was pretty far along the path when I found him. I was going through, uh, I had a flight, and I forgot to bring a book. Oh, and I'm going through SFO, and they have an amazing bookstore in San Francisco International Airport. And I was flying to New York, and I had four hours on plane. And I picked up one of his books, and Good Without God is another book I picked up by a Jewish author. Um, ethnically, or, or culturally. historically, culturally Jewish author, um, who went to the University of Michigan, and talked about an ethical framework that doesn't need a deity to infuse it with meaning mm -hmm. or legitimacy. And so those two books were really um, were really helpful for me mm -hmm. to identify and articulate what makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, and I have to say, it was such a relief. I felt so like, oh, I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to worry, not about what's Pono or what's, 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 what's the right thing to do. Right. But I don't have to worry about forever, mm -hmm. capital F. Because right? I'm always worried about whether or not I'm going to be saved or go to hell or... which can be very exhausting. The chalkboard in the sky with hash marks by it. Mm -hmm. Good, venial, mortal. Right? I mean, and, and that's the thing, like, you never leave Catholicism. I don't think Catholic <laughs> until I die, whether I go to church or not. Like, you're so steeped in that culture. Right. It will always color your frame. Always. Yeah. Totally. Um, a couple summers ago, Phil and I were on vacation. We were, we were at a Gothic church. And I was a history undergrad major, right? And I went to a Catholic yeah. university, and I'm steeped in all this culture. And I'm reading the church for him, and I'm talking about the different saints. And we, we get out afterwards, he's like, I've never seen you be so Catholic. <laughs> this is what I, this is the culture I'm from. This right? was the moment. This is it. This is it. So, um, yeah. So where does that leave you now? Where you're crossroads of you? You said that was very freeing, but in, where does that leave you? How do you do life now? You know, it's um, like I said earlier. I think that there's lots of ways to truth, mm -hmm. and. This is my understanding now, and I'm finite. And even more than that, like there's a lot of people a lot smarter than me who spent a lot more time thinking about this and talking about this and praying about this. Um, and so I don't think, well, for me, it's not healthy to say I've arrived. Mm. But this is where I am now.
and because good good scientists don't do that. Not that I'm scientists, but like if new data comes up, you got to process that new data. Right. Right. And I feel like that's been my faith journey all along. And I feel like the Jesuit tradition of the Jesuits are an order of Catholic priests. I should have said that. Um, the, 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 the Jesuit understanding of intellectual freedom, of intellectual rigor, mm -hmm. of looking at data and drawing conclusions, um, that I've kept. And I think that's a really healthy and freeing way to look at things and to process the world. Mm -hmm. So that's where I am now. Um, you know, will I always be an atheist? I don't know. <laughs> right? Um, as a kid, I was always jealous of St. Paul. It's like, that's cheating. He got knocked off his horse and told what to do. <laughs> he doesn't figure out anything. No Come fair. On. Come on, man. And that just seems like the amazing gift, right? But, but it's like, not everybody has that. Right. Right? Most of us don't get that. we got to figure it out, right? So. And it's what? a long, lifelong journey. Lifelong journey. Well, and I'm sure that didn't feel so fun either. I mean, if you look at it from the outside, it looks like this very, you know, succinct thing. But for him, I mean, it, yeah, you got told what to do, maybe, but you still had to reconcile that, right? Like, and then you're dealing with Peter. If those old things exist, then you're like, oh, come on. Like, it's, yeah, it's a no, journey, that's, right? Like, that's you're right. always taking in, you're always having to figure out how does this apply. It's much easier if it's just a checklist in some ways, but that checklist is oppressive after you get to the point where you realize that your checklist doesn't work for everything, right? So, And that's, you know, that's one thing I realized with my dad, that it was easy. And I learned more about him as he was sick and, and died. Um, before he died, we had somewhat of a reconciliation. Mm. Um, and that's the wrong word. We had a detente. Um, <laughs> We got to a point where we could, you know, not push each other's buttons for 45 minutes. So well, there you go. That's okay, a that's win. Success. That's a huge, yeah, right? That's success in a lot of relationships. Uh, that's a win. You got to move the goalposts. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that for him, that list was really comforting, and that's what he needed. Right, because that's what helped him be okay and be healthy. Yeah. And the problem is, is that when you take your list or your understanding or whatever it is and apply it to somebody else, you don't know. Yeah. My consciousness ends at the end of my skin. I don't know what works for somebody else. I suck at remembering that, but I try to remember that. <laughs> oh, you just cut me off? Okay. I don't know what your day was like. No, I'm really mad, but I don't know what your day was right. like. You know. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that people reach conclusions. I think some people reach conclusions that are appropriate for themselves. I think some people don't do the work mm. and don't engage with their relationship to the other. And if I wasn't queer, mm -hmm. I would be an asshole. <laughs> I would be an entitled white Republican male asshole. I'm a hundred. I look at my brothers. Saved yeah. by your queerness. A hundred percent. I am more empathetic. I am more. I I hope. It has made me more sensitive to people um, and, and, and people's struggles. I hope it's made me more thoughtful um, and just a little bit more compassionate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've still got work to do in those areas, but if I weren't gay, I would just be insufferable. <laughs> oh, God, you guys. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm gay. So grateful. Isn't that such a transition from before where you, it feels like such a curse, right? Yeah. 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 It's amazing.
kind of just like looking back, any information you'd want to share for either like younger people going, you know, through a similar experience as you, or maybe like the institutions that you came up through, anything that you wish that they knew? I think that, first of all, I mean, who am I, right? Like, I'm so much older than anyone, I don't know. But everybody, everybody <laughs> does this at a different time, right? Um, yes. So some people come out when they're 70. Um, and I think it's just, it's never done. And you just want to find those places where you can stand. You know, like Archimedes said, if you find the right place to stand, if you have that support, and we all have a lot of shoulders on which we can stand, right? A lot of people have gone through us before this <laughs> and done a lot of the hard work. But um, no, it's just continue to engage and use the resources that you have and know that there's resources out there. Right. Um, and it's never, I don't think you're ever done. I think if you get to a point where you feel like you're done, maybe investigate that with some skepticism. And you're fine just how you are today. You know, you don't got to be any certain way. Go back to that Catholic theology that, that you were created in the image and likeness of God. And God is eternal and God is perfect. And if you are, the, if, if you are spiritual or, or, or theological and that's, that helps you make sense of the world, you're part of that creation and you're perfect how you are. So just, mm -hmm. just be who you are. Thank you so much for being with us today and being so open and willing to share your experiences and, and your journey. It's been so good to have you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Very much. Yeah. Thanks well, for the unicorn, too. Folks, you can't see it, but there's a unicorn here, right? <laughs> next to me. Special, special gift. That's your compensation on this podcast. <laughs> Do I have to claim that on my taxes? I'll tell if you don't. Perfect. Well, you guys can find us um, at, on Twitter at Queer Religion Pod. Or you can go ahead and send us some questions. If you have any questions you want for Brennan or ourselves, we'll go ahead and pass those along and see if we can get those uh, interviewed at another time. But you can find us at Gmail for queerreligionpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, spread us around if you know someone who would enjoy or would benefit from that. We'd, we'd love to have you guys share us. So. Before you go, Brennan, though, the number one important question is you have to share with us your favorite boba tea. So, I... Don't. I've had it a couple times. It's like I made it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just, um, just, I've had it a couple times, and people have always ordered for me. So my favorite kind is whatever someone buys me. Nice. Um, because I, um, it's really good, but I just, that's not something I order. Fantastic. Be you. That's okay. Be you every moment of the day. All right. We'll see you guys next time.